Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm glad everybody's doing well. Um, like I said, I, I really just, I, I had, we had such an incredible evening last night, and I thank you so much that we've we reached out. I mean, there were multiple communities that were involved, not just Cedarville. We had people as far as Winfield and Oxford, uh, Bartlesville, Kane, Independence. We had, I mean, we had a phenomenal group of men who showed up here last night. Just, just thank you again that we're willing to love the community and to reach out and share the gospel with our folks in our town. Um, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, so if you've got your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 4. Um, and, and I do believe that the, the, the season that we're in, the time that we are in as, as a church, as Christians, we need to be alert. We need to be standing guard. We need to be on watch. Amen? Only one of you? Yeah, I'm just checking. Man, we, we, all right, if you change the sermon up, we can go different. I mean, we need to wake up and, and see what, what is happening in front of us. We as followers of Christ need to keep our hearts and our minds steady and focused on the scriptures and on Christ himself. That those are the, this, this is what we need to do as believers. Every week we are seeing more and more things that are pointing towards the return of Christ. I just I see things every week. I think there's there's no way that that it can be any stranger, any or any weirder. And all of a sudden, it happens. Amen. Something strange happens. You're just like, what in the world? And I just think we need to be. This is not the season for us as a church, us as Christians, to put it in neutral and just say let's let's coast for a minute. That's not what we're called to do. This. This idea is played out here in Colossians chapter 4 this week. As we continue our study through Colossians, I want us to see this. And we're going to start in verse 2. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, it says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to be declared about the mystery of Christ, on the account of which I am in prison, I that I may be that, or that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time, and let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each. Person. And so we, we see this in the text. The first thing it says, it says continue. The Greek word for continue means to be courageously persistent or to hold fast and not let go. And refers here to persistent prayer. Persistent, passionate, meaningful, courageous prayer. I think oftentimes we as a church, we as Christians... Say things in rooms like this that we believe in prayer. We believe prayer changes things. Let's just take a temperature of the room. How many of you believe prayer changes things? Amen? Amen. Yeah, okay, so we've got everybody in the room. Amen's that and nods our heads. So we, we say that and we believe that. And sometimes I think what happens is we have a level of unassurance in our prayer life. We pray stuff and sometimes we're shocked. We're like... Wait, what? We'll, we'll agree in prayer for something, and all of a sudden, 
it is answered, and we're, we're in shock that it happened. <laughs> we're like, whoa, what? It happened? I'll never forget. I, 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 you guys have heard the story about my dad almost losing his leg? Cedric, who's preached in this pulpit, came in and, and took his shoes off because that, we're, he said, we're, we're, we're on holy ground. We're going into the presence of the Father, and I'm taking my shoes off. And he reaches down, and he grabs my father's leg, and he just says, Oh, Father, I pray from the tops of his head to the soles of his feet that you would heal Ed Gordon, that you would bring circulation back to his leg. He leaves. The nurse comes in 30 minutes later, and she squeals and says, Oh, ooh, He's got circulation. It's, it's back to normal. And all of us in the room go, we got excited. But, well, of course it did. Of course it should have. Because God answered our prayer. Like, we're shocked when that happens. The church is just shocked sometimes when prayer happens. I think, I think of this in Acts. Go to Acts chapter uh, 12. I think that this is a phenomenal illustration of this taking place. Go to Acts right before the book of Romans. Go to Acts chapter 12. This is just an interesting story. Peter is in prison in this chapter. Peter is in jail. And, and Christians who went to jail in this day weren't, it was, it was going to go bad for them, right? And so I, I want us to start and we're going to look at verse Four. We're going to start in verse 4 of 12. Acts 12 verse 4. And when, he had see, and when they had seized him and put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers. So that four squads of soldiers is a lot of men. That's not just a couple. I mean, there's a bunch of guys guarding this guy. Peter is being guarded. Four squads of soldiers to guard him. Intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people so, and you know, what the you know what the plan was after Passover? What's the will of the people? Crucify Let's, he's a, he's, he's, a, he's a divider. He's divisive. This gospel that he's preaching is divisive. We need to kill this guy. That was the plan. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison. He was kept in the prison, but. He was kept in prison, but. Earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. He was in prison, but he was in prison, but some of you guys might have been in prison this morning, but there's a but. Thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for that. Verse six. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on the very night, Peter was sleeping. Now, let me ask you guys a question. If you are in the midst of getting ready to be brought out and there's a potential that you're going to die. How many, you know, I'm just going to take a nap. I'm just going to rest for a little bit. I'm going to take a, just, I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to nap. I'm going to, I'm going to take a nap. Well, this is what Peter's mindset was. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. How many of you guys have ever gone camping? I guarantee it's not a real pleasant experience where they're sleeping. Prison in our mind is not prison in here. Prison was a hole. <laughs> it was a hole. And so he's in the midst of this Two soldiers. He's laying between two soldiers. That's uncomfortable enough. But he's sleeping between two soldiers. They're guarding him. Bound with two chains. And, and, and centuries before him on the door. Centuries on before him at the door. We're guarding the prison. 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. And he had to, what happens there? Look at the text. He struck Peter. Peter's a sound sleeper. Angel shows up. Light fills the, the prison cell. That, that didn't work. Get up, Peter. Had to kick him a little bit. Get up. Get up, brother. And listen to this. So he says, Behold, an angel stood next to him, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him and said, Get up quickly. And, and the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said, he said Get dressed. Like, you're not, even, you're not even dressed. Get your clothes on. Dress yourself and put your sandals on. Like, he's not even thinking. Like, he doesn't have his shoes on. He doesn't have his stuff on. He's, I mean, he's sound asleep. Like, that's, that's either confidence in the Lord of your future. I don't know what happened there. I think Peter's probably confident. But he's, he's sound asleep, doesn't have any of his clothes on, doesn't have his shoes on. He's laying between two guards. It's out. Like, I'm a sound sleeper. I used to be. Now that I have four children, I am not. I'll never, like, how many of you guys have ever been asleep and all of a sudden you feel like somebody's watching you? Ever had that? Noah one night well, came in and I'm asleep and I wake up and I just see. <laughs> What? Uh, I gotta go to the bathroom. Well, then go. You don't need to just wait. Oh, come on. But I, like, this is the idea. This is the whole. This is the point here. This is this is the idea that Peter is just out. He's out cold. This angel strikes him and says, "Get up! Get up!" The chains fell off. He got dressed, put his shoes on, and he did so. And he said to him, "Wrap your cloak around you and follow me." And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. So what's this mean? He thought he was dreaming. Peter thought he's having a dream. There's no way this, how many of you guys have dreamed something that felt real, but you're like, no, nah, I'm dreaming. How many of you guys have ever been, a, you're like, oh man. Peter's dream feels like, man, this isn't real, but he thought it was, he was seeing a dream. He was seeing a vision. And when he had passed the first and the second guard, and they came out of the iron gate, leaving the city, it opened for them on its own accord, and they went out along one street, and immediately the angel left him. And when Peter came to himself, he said, man, I'm sure. Now I'm sure that the Lord had sent an angel to rescue me. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he came to himself. Whoa, wait a minute. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to be a sleepwalker. I, I did, I, I sleptwalked. I woke up in the front yard one time. I woke up in the bathtub one time. And when you wake up from those experiences, like you're, you wake up, you're like, how did I get here? How did I get to the front? When I was in the, I'm in the front yard. How'd that happen? Well, Peter comes to himself and he said, man, it, it must have been an angel. God sent an angel to rescue me. Verse 19. And when he had realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other's name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. So I want to, I'm making a point here that they're gathered together. The first part of this, the scripture says, Peter's in prison, but the church is making earnest prayer. They're gathered in a prayer meeting. The church is gathered in a prayer meeting. They're praying for Peter's release 
earnestly like praying for Peter. Oh, please, God, release Peter. Please, God, please, God, release Peter. Think about this. If we gathered here, if one of our own was arrested, it's not too far-fetched that we live in a world now where you could be arrested for the cause of Christ. And here we are gathered as a church in this place, and we're earnestly praying, and we're praying for, we're praying for Tyler. Tyler's been arrested. He opened his mouth. We're praying for Tyler. God, please, earnestly we're praying that he would be released. Verse 13. And he knocked on the door of the gateway, and a servant girl named Rhonda, or Rhoda, sorry, Rhoda, came, Rhonda, wow, Rhoda came to the, and answered, recognizing Peter's voice. Her joy, in her joy, she did not open the gate. How many of you guys have been so excited? You're just like, you've heard something, you haven't heard from somebody in a long time, and they knock on the door, and you're like, ah! and you run, and you don't answer the door because you're so excited because you got to go tell somebody. And bro, you left me outside. You left me outside. What the world? Come on! And so she runs back, and she says what? She says in her joy, it's, it's Peter. It, he's here. She didn't open the gate, but she ran, and she said, Peter's standing at the gate. Why did you go? Hello? He's standing at the gate. And look at their response. Even though, what are they praying for? What are they praying? They're praying earnestly for his release. They say what? You are out of your mind. What is wrong with you? Like, she comes in, like, a passionate believer in Christ comes in and says, Listen, our prayers have been answered. Whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Hello? That's not too far-fetched from the world in which we live. We're begging Jesus to do something, and then it actually happens, and we're like, no, there's no way that could happen. Never. Never. I'll never forget. I was 11 years old. My father had been praying and pleading and getting up at 2 in the morning, going to share Christ with my, my grandpa. His father-in-law, longing that he would become a Christian, pleading with him to be a Christian. And Jim always told my dad, Ed, I just can't buy it. I just, I can't buy it. I don't, I don't need this. I can't buy it. Well, on a Sunday morning, it snowed in Oklahoma, and it was ridiculous. Church got canceled, but the cattle still need to be fed. So we helped, so we go out and help Grandpa. I'm 11 years old. I'm loaded up in the front seat of the car with my grandfather. My dad's behind in his truck, and we're going. And I just looked at my grandpa as an 11-year-old with childlike faith that said, Grandpa, do you know if you're going to heaven? Well, nope. He called me Caleb with a little P at the end instead of B. It was a P. Caleb, I don't know. I said, in childlike faith, I said, Grandpa, you know you can know that if you're going to go to heaven. You can know. Well, what are you going to do, Caleb? You just got to say, Jesus, you're sorry. You got to tell Jesus you're sorry for your sins. That's all you, as an 11-year-old boy, I trusted the faith of the scriptures. All you've got to do is believe. All you've got to do is ask Jesus to forgive you, and he will. You just say, Jesus, will you please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and be the king of my life. As an 11-year-old boy, in that little mustard seed of faith, I took that mustard seed of faith and said, Grandpa, an 11-year-old boy, Grandpa, do you know if you're going to heaven? I don't know. You can know, Grandpa. Pray, you can, I'll even pray with you, Grandpa. Where his son-in-law had been pleading with him to pray for years, and he wouldn't. But God used the instrument 
God used the instrument that touched that old man's heart. It was his grandchildren. Grandparents, do your grandkids have a whole special place in your heart? Come on. My, my dad says grandkids are way more fun than kids. So I don't know what that means. I have, I'm not there yet. You get to give them back. Yeah. <laughs> sure, that's right. Hey, we sugared them up, son. They're yours now. Oh, thanks, Dad. Thanks. But in my, in my 11-year-old childlike faith, I just said, this is all you got to do. And he prayed with me. And he got out of the truck. And I got out of the truck. And here I was, this, just like this little girl. I put out and I said, Dad, Dad, Grandpa got saved. Grandpa got saved. And Dad said, uh-huh. Sure, son. And with tears streaming in his eyes, my, dad, my Grandpa got out. I said, Ed, he's not lying. I, I've just given my heart to Christ. And in tears, they fell together in the snow, hugging one another. And it was a great reunion. And my grandpa got saved. Like, this is the kind of stuff that we as, we as Christians, we plead for earnestly. Please do a work. Please do a work. Please do a work. And then God does a work. And we're like, ah, oh, no, I don't think so. But he can so... This is, they said, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting and she said... It, he's here. And they kept saying, no, 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 it's his ghost. He's dead. It's his angel. It's his, he's dead. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and they were amazed. They were, they were like, what? How many guys have God, God answered your prayers and you were like, holy cow, he did it. How many of you have, that, that's happened. You prayed and God said, okay, I'm like, boom. I'll never forget Jamie had prayed and prayed and longed for her brother to be saved. And he just, he just was like, you know, you, you, you're marrying a, a preacher's kid. Don't, don't expect me to go down that road with you. I, I, God and I are good. He pleaded, longed for Matt to be saved. We had gotten, and Jamie was discouraged. She had been, VBS was going on during this week in June. And it was just a discouraging week because some of the kids were just being kids and not paying attention. She just like felt... God's not answering any of my prayers. Anybody in the room ever felt like God's not answering your prayers? So in the midst of this, she gets a phone call, and she just goes, oh, my gosh. And I'm thinking, what's wrong? Like, that's not how you normally act on a phone call. And she starts crying. I'm thinking, oh, boy. Something has gone really bad. And I'm like, and she won't talk. I'm like, Jamie, what's wrong? Jamie, honey, what's wrong? <laughs> oh my goodness. I pulled the car over and I said, What is going on? She goes, Matt got saved. And I was like, Oh, yes. We're amazed at what happens. We're amazed at what takes place. This is exactly what happened. The church was earnestly longing for God to move. And they, they said, God, please release Peter. Please move. Please do a work. Please do a thing here. Please help. And they didn't even believe their own prayers. But he answered, God answered their prayers and brought Peter back. But motioning to them, he, with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. He went to be a witness and said, listen, go be, oh, like this is what happened. God moved. This is how it happened. This is exactly what took place. Now, 
Tell James and the brothers what happened, and I'm going, I've got more mission work to do. I've got to go. And so he moves on into this thing. And so this idea in Colossians chapter 4 is to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. I think oftentimes we as the church, we just, oh, we're, we're overcomplicating things. We're overcomplicating. The church prayed for Peter and he was saved. And he was, he was at the church looking at, I mean, this lady that she just, I mean, they're thinking he's, she's insane. It's incredible. So we're told in Colossians chapter 4 to pray earnestly, to stay watchful, to be alert, and do this all in thanksgiving. We don't, worship, listen to this, we do not worship a vague God and an unfocused God. The idea in this text is to be laser-like focused, to have laser-like focus in our prayer lives, to have laser-like, just dead-on sight focus. How many guys have, have any guns with laser sights? I've got one, and I, love, I think it's awesome. It's so fun. I'm a horrible shot, so a laser scope is incredible. They don't miss. But like that's the idea, is to be just right in, home right in with the laser-like focus of our prayer lives, Listen, we do not worship a vague and unfocused God. We worship a God that is specific. We worship a God that is specific and focused in on us. He loves us. And this is, this is what we're going to pray. We're, we're earnestly to pray. What are we earnestly to pray for? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's in the text. We are told to pray for What? That God would open doors. What's the text say? Also, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to be declared of the mysteries of Christ. Like We're to pray for an open door to share the gospel with the men and women around us. Pray, we need to be praying for opportunities, praying for moments that are, we're able to have Doors open so we can open our mouths and tell someone about how Jesus changed our lives. Like that's what we're called to do. We're called to pray for these things specifically. Have laser-like focus in prayer and say, Jesus, I, how many, let's just do this. How many in the room know at least one person that's going to hell? That's not saved. It's not a Christian. One. One person. Okay, several of us in the room. So we all know at least one person. Paul is telling us here, engage. Here's the reason I'm in prison. I'm in prison because I shared the gospel and helped me to be focused and laser-like in on what I'm supposed to do. Paul gives us this direction and says, pray for open doors and the word will be declared. So he's telling us this is the reason for sharing his faith Man, uh, listen, we're in the day. We're in this day. John MacArthur right now is in violation of, of state order in California for gathering and worshiping because the state says they can't. And they are threatening him with jail. And I love it. He got on TV and he's like, I've been doing church ministry for a long time. I don't know what it's like to do a, a prison ministry, but I'm game. Come get me. <laughs> Could you? Like, that's incredible. I'm game for a prison ministry. Let's go. Like, that's how Paul acted. He's like, we'll kill you. Well, to die is gain. We'll put you in prison. Awesome, I'll convert all your guards. I mean, you just, like, he was so frustrating to the authorities because he didn't care. Wherever you put him, he was a missionary. 
I love that. John said, yeah, come and get me. We'll start a prison ministry. I love that. But Paul's saying in the text to pray and to be clear about this and be, pray that I would be clear in speaking the gospel and we have pray for open doors. This is what we as a church need to be doing is praying for open doors and pray with focus to say, man, I've got a cousin that I want to see saved. I've got a mother that I want to see saved. I want, I've got a father. I've got an uncle. I've got a brother. I've got a sister. I've got a cousin. I've got somebody in my life that needs to be saved by the power of the gospel of Christ. And we're called as a church to wake up, to pray for open doors, and get moving. And then listen to this. Verse 5 gives, gives us an instruction. Look at verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Make the best use of your time. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, those that are outside of Christ. Believers are called to live in such a way that they establish the credibility of Christian faith. And they and make the most of every evangelical opportunity. Every evangelistic opportunity, pray for those. And live in such a way that people say, man, that guy's different. That gal's different. They belong to Christ. They look different. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 gives us another uh, uh, a directive here. Verse 15 says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity because we live in evil days. Men and women, we live in evil days, amen? Like we're in the midst of it. It is evil all around us. And we have been given a directive by Christ to live in such a way that is wise, not as foolish. This is what we're called to do. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it does not, if it's lost its flavor? Anybody ever thrown some salt on it? And like, Man, it doesn't taste right. Nobody's going, well, let's try to see if we can fix that. We throw it out. That's what the scripture says. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Question mark. It will be thrown out and trampled under the feet of people as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under the basket, but instead they put the lamp on a stand where it gives light to the entire house, to everyone that's in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is the directive. We need to be focused and pray like never before. And pray for the unsaved, pray for our world, pray for our churches, pray for our communities. We need to pray that God opens hearts and transforms lives. Amen? Like this is our, this is our duty as Christians. But not just pray. We need to be missionaries wherever we are. That's what Peter said. I, I've got things to do. Here's what happened. Here's what Jesus did. Here's the angel experience. Now I've got to go keep, I've got to keep on mission. He didn't say, well, I've been saved. I'm going to kick back and retire now. He said, no, no, no. Here's what happened. Here's the testimony. Now I've got to go to the next place and share Christ. I've got to go. I've got to share. I've got to keep moving forward. We don't just pray. We put some feet on our prayers. We move. What James says, faith without works is dead. Now that's not salvation by works. That means if you're saved, there's going to be some fruit. 
If you're saved, there's going to be some fruit. Those Christians that say they belong to Christ, yet there's no fruit, I question their salvation. I question whether they're Christians. We are praying for opportunities. Be serious in this. We are to take seriously by actually proclaiming and telling people about Jesus Christ. This means we actually have to open our mouths in the places where we are. Open our mouths in our workplaces. Open our mouths in our schools. We are to do this in such a way that we proclaim loudly. Proclaim loudly the gospel. Make it a personal, like this, make it a personal challenge for yourself. To see one person saved this year. I always do that. At the beginning of the year, I want to see at least one person saved. I want to be a part of that experience. I want to see Jesus work in someone's life. I want to proclaim. I want to share the gospel. And I want to see at least one person saved. So far this year, I've I got three. But hey, we still got some time. Let's see if we can get some more. Like, what would happen if every one of you in the room today said, I'm going to bring one friend. Like, just start here. You're like, man, I don't know if I can share my faith. You start one. Hey, what are you doing Sunday? This week. One person. You look at one person. How many of y'all interact with people during the week? Let's see. Anybody? Okay. One person. You say, hey, what are you doing Sunday? You know what the typical response is when people ask that question? Nothing. Nothing. Hey, why don't you go to church with me? They've already told you they're not doing anything. <laughs> And then when they say, oh, well, wait, you told me you're not doing anything. Let's go. I had, that's what I, I made a phone call Friday night to a couple of friends. I said, hey, what are you doing Saturday night? Nothing. Now we're doing this men's event Saturday night. It's going to be awesome. Pulled pork and, and some other smoked meat. You want to come eat with me? Sure. I'll come. And they came. Like, all you got to do is just ask. What, what are you doing Sunday? Nothing. Why don't you come to church with me? Like, actively get engaged in, in the process. And be, and be the person that God uses to bring salvation. Like, God's the one that saves. You don't save. But you can be the instrument that God uses to bring salvation. By just opening your mouth and being a missionary. Like, I, the, make it your goal. Each one of us reach one. Each one reach one. That's what, that's, that's what we need to do. And just think, what would our church look like in this room if each one of us brought one? The room would be fuller. And normally this section right here has got a ton of people. What if one person said, I'm going to bring one person? And then as a result of that, they hear the gospel. And all of a sudden, things start to shift in our community. Things begin to change. Things begin to, to to break loose. We live in dark days, so we're supposed to be living in such a way that we make the best use of our time. Make the best use of our time. This actually is, is, is a longing for the gospel. It should be a longing to see Jesus move. We should be longing for gospel-centered revival in people's hearts. And what would it look like if you and I used, like, no, let's just go here. What if you and I used our social media platforms to start sharing the gospel, sharing gospel-centered things, scripture, 
gospels that are preaching, things that are incredible that, that, that show who Jesus is. What if we start using our social media platforms for that, for that rather than just taking pictures of food? What if we used our social media platforms to honor Christ? What if we used our influence to honor Christ? What would it look like? What would it look like if we had this next week said, okay, I'm going to make a goal that my social media platform is going to look like gospel-centered, Christ-centered stuff. And you shared that. We need to be praying for opportunities to spread the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the masses. But you can't do that if you're quiet. I'm just going to... That's not my thing, Caleb. It's not how I roll. Well, how should a Christian roll? How should a Christian roll? I, 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 never, I had a lady tell me, it's not my job to share the gospel, it's yours. Hmm. Matthew 28 tells us, go make disciples. He doesn't say, go make disciples if... He says, go make this out. It's like saying, you know what? I'm a plumber, but I don't do plumbing. I'm a car mechanic, but I don't work on cars. I build, I'm a, I'm a builder, but I don't work on buildings. What? I do, I'm a Christian, but I don't share Christ. Guys, it's time for the church to get involved in the community. It's time for us as the church to wake up and actually do something. Get people, like, invite people in. Don't just, don't just invite, welcome them in. When we, when we invite them in, make them feel welcome. And I, I'm there, Bob Goff says this, he says, we're not on a business trip, this is a family trip. Give me a hug. Like this is, we're not, oh. Like make people feel welcome. When people feel welcome, think about when people walk into your house. You know, when they walk into your house, you're not just like, get what you want, I don't care. If you've got a guest or a friend coming over, you're like, man, come on in. You want something to drink? I got some of it. Man, look at this. I got some coffee. I got that. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You want to go see my lizard? Come on. It's Noah's thing. Noah's like, hey, let's see my lizard. We need to be praying for opportunities to spread this mystery. This, this glorious mystery of Christ. But we can't do it if we're quiet. So that's my hope for us today as we, as we start this, that we see this in the text where he says, just look at this, walk in wisdom. Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Someone's going to say some stuff. Someone's going to ask questions. Follow and do what Christ has asked you to do. I just, I just believe this. And if each of them, each one of us said, okay, this week is the week. I'm going to find some, each one reach one. Each one reach one. Like this room would look completely different if each one brought somebody. It just looked, it looked different. So that's my hope for us this week. That we would we'd follow the God of the universe in such a way that we believe him. And we wouldn't just, yes, we'd pray earnestly, but we'd actually believe those prayers. We wouldn't be the, the church that earnestly prays, and then when God answers, we're like, wait, what? We should be expected and say, okay, God, I know you've got a plan. I know you, you can answer these prayers. I know you can do this, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you've saved my cousin Henry. 
that you'd save my mom, that you'd save my brother, that you'd transform the life of my wife, that you'd transform the life of my husband, that you'd transform the life of my children, God. I believe that you could do this and then earnestly pray for God to move, and he just might. He just might. Amen? So we've got to do that as a church to say, okay, I'm no longer going to be half-hearted in this and have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. Because you can't. Revelation says, man, you make God sick when you do that. You've got to make a decision here. You've got to say, okay, I'm in. Let's go. I'm in. Let's make this happen. But you got, man, you got to push. If you, say you, you say you believe in Christ, let's see some fruit. You say you belong to, and you belong to Christ, let's see fruit. And let's move as a church. And let's see God. See what, and let's see what God does in our communities. See how God will move. Just be open. This is what Everett said last night. Live in obedience. In obedience to his command. What, what are we? Are we obedient? If we, Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. You love Jesus this morning? Then obey him. Then obey him. And it just might change the world. Guess let's stand.